I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. You're listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. And today we wanted to talk about a couple of series, maybe a bunch of series of games, that we think need revivals and we haven't heard anything about in quite some time. These are going to be some games that... Uh, we've got a couple guidelines here. The main one has to be at least five years since there's been entry in the series. And the only kind of side note there could be, it could be a, a remaster or something like that if it comes along, or just a, a port. We're not counting that as, you know, a series being alive. If it's just a random game getting ported to a different system or something. And we definitely prefer more than a remaster, but some of these some of these games, we take anything we can get at this point. <laughs> That's true. Good, good grief. So we wanted to start off with there has been a couple of series that have gotten revived and recently, just like the last couple years, that were actually a huge surprise and they've been pretty awesome uh, releases in the franchises. Um, did you have any of those on your list? Or um, well, Mega Man, just off the top of my head for sure. That's that huge. one's okay. <laughs> yeah. That one's okay. Well, I mean, we have, uh, I'd consider Devil May Cry with five re-released. I know we had the reboot, uh, but that was, that was about five years ago at this point almost. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, Devil May Cry five really revived the original series because, man, it's been well over 10 years since Devil May Cry four came out on the PS3. Was it 2006 or seven? That sounds pretty accurate. It's one of two. It's somewhere during college. Yeah, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, definitely glad to see that one back. Thank you, Capcom. That and Mega Man. Uh, what about Fantasy Star? Fantasy Star Online 2 got announced at E3 this year. They're bringing it to the West. Finally. Yeah, I thought about that on my list, and I was like, wait a minute, we got Fantasy Star Online 2. So. It's pretty exciting. I mean, they released it like five years ago already and we just haven't gotten it this is kind of like a re-release <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> kind of uh so we got metroid we got uh samus returns that was uh, the, i think the end of 17 I yeah say. for the 3ds it wasn't too bad not one of my favorite metroidvania games uh and definitely a bit of a letdown in regards to what i was hoping they'd do they kind of played it a little too safe for me but it's kind of whatever i was glad to get another one another 2d metroid at least and, and it was have, one of the, I mean, Metroid 2, just in general, wasn't a very good game. Maybe a hot take, but... It's not I, a hot take, that's true. <laughs> I actually argue that the fan remake that came out a couple oh. months before the, before this game was much better than the actual remake that Nintendo did. Yeah, AM2R was great. I had the chance to play yep. that, so that was, that was really good. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the art style is way better, too. I always prefer those pixel arts over that 2.5D that kind of hit or miss most of the time, mostly miss. Got to mention Contra. Konami finally did something right. Good on them. But how do you feel about that trailer for that new game that they announced? <coughs> oh, man. Um, that good. <laughs> yeah, that good. Yeah, I'm a coughing attack here. But uh, no, I, I was just happy to see a new Contra. It looks like um, kind of like the Downton Rampa art style, if you want to call it that. Very, yeah, very... and it kind of looks like the the perspective of it's going to be more like Neo on the from the PS2. Is that what that was well, on? I didn't hate that game as much as most people. No, I didn't hate it either. But I, everybody hated it because it was so much of a change. 
I mean, you could ar- argue that even Shattered Soldier was quite a bit of change in the uh, the gameplay department, but less of an arcade experience and uh, more of a well-honed single-player experience as far as I was concerned. There was no hardcore uprising, that's for sure. No, yeah, that was literally the probably the best Contra game. <laughs> the best and the last one before this one, right? Yeah. I was going to say, they didn't work on that, though. That's Konami didn't do that. That was that was not like Arc System Works or something. <laughs> I that? Well, I think I can't remember. Made by them, but it was still released by Konami because it is a Contra game in the Contra series technically. Okay. Well, regardless, we need more of them. Yes. Yeah, I thought I, I thought the new trailer that they dropped it was kind of ho hum, but I'm glad the series isn't dead. That's what matters. At least it gives you hope for just another one we're going to mention here, Castlevania, obviously. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they're, they haven't had a game in five years. Two, uh, February 2014 was when Lord of the Shadow 2 released, which I actually don't hate as much as everybody else does, but the fact that uh, the the best 2D Castlevania game and one of the best games in this series for quite some time isn't even released by the you know the company who originated the series, it's kind of sad. You would think yeah. that Castlevania for them would be printing money, but I mean, it, maybe it doesn't print money like Pachinko Machines. Pachinko Machines and Yu-Gi-Oh! They print yeah. money. Yeah. I would love, I think it would be like a perfect world if I could get some Castlevania games released alongside the Bloodstained series. Hopefully that also continues. That'd be something else. Well, there's a lot of games we're going to be talking about coming up on this series. At least I have a couple that seem like they're a license to print money, and I don't know why there's nothing being done with them. Oh, that's for sure. A, a couple other ones that I wanted to to mention real quick. Animusha series. Is that on your list? It was not, but at least we had that um, the remake they threw out this year. So it gives me a little bit of hope that there could be something in the works if that sold well. That's true. And it it's really sad. I mean, like the most recent game was on the PS2 in 2006. And those were all really well liked. Like Onimusha 3 was people love that game. All three yeah. of them. And Dawn of Dreams, the fourth one, is actually pretty good, but it's so hard to play multiplayer. (laughs) I remember we tried that. That's one of those games that you have to, like, sit through uh, your friend getting to a certain point in the game to unlock multiplayer. That's never fun. It's a terrible idea, but it it was a cool concept. Yeah, definitely a cool concept. Uh, I also wanted to bring up the Ratchet & Clank series. I know we did have in 2016, they had the the movie tie-in and the the total recreation and reimagination of the original Ratchet and Clank game. But that's not really what I was looking for. And the last official title in the series came out in 2009 on the uh, PS3, which was a crack in time. All really good games. Some of my favorites. Yeah, it's not, I guess Insomniac, I'm sure, is probably working on Spider-Man and maybe some more a sequel to that or more DLC or something. So they probably get their hands full. Yeah, I'm sure that's more of a, a money bag for them. I'd say so. And one I'm just going to throw out there, I was actually just told you I was playing it before we started podcasting, was Killer Instinct. It's been since technically, uh, I guess, 2013 when that originally came out. But, and they, yeah. they didn't even have faith in that when it got released. No, Free to play bad. with like six characters. <laughs> it got like three seasons of DLC and way more than Infinite. You know, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, it's a real. it's a really, it, I mean, I think it's a good looking game. It's super fast paced. It's actually fairly unique. Uh, oh, I mean, Killer Instinct's always been pretty unique in how just kind of like 
fast and visceral the combat is in relation to Mortal Kombat's probably the closest comparison, but it's, it's a good series. It just plays so much better than the NetherRealm fighters, though, because it's got the combo system's really cool because it's a it's a good mixture of just straight up button mashing and then some strategy. Like you can you can mash your way to some mighty cool looking stuff, but obviously someone that knows what they're doing is going to do way better. Yeah, I'd say open ended and free flowing combat is the best way to describe it, and it is very unique like that. And when you're still getting like destroyed, you actually have options for combo breakers to get out of it. So that's another cool thing. Like, it's not like Infinite where you just, you know, if you get caught in a combo, you kind of put the control down or MVC3, and then you die. Oh, yeah. There, there's a there's plentiful amount of fighting games that got that need to get re-released, need new entries in the series. That's one, fran- that's one series that is... One series. <laughs> one genre that I, I feel like could use a little bit more of a resurgence, but... Uh, with Arc System Works pretty much cranking them out, and the uh, Mortal Kombat's, and you know, fingers crossed for a new Marvel's Capcom game, but that's uh, might be a long shot. Yeah, it seems like wishful thinking to be sure. One thing I'll say about fighting games these days that I am not a big fan of is a lot of them now are getting pieced out with so much DLC. Like Dead or Alive had like three hundred dollars of DLC, and is that it? I feel like yeah. I had way more than that. It's, it's That's so just ridiculous. extra figure out there. I know it was a lot. In the Blaze Blue cross tag battle, you literally half the cast was DLC, which is insane. After you buy a fifty dollar game, you would think that they would have learned from Street Fighter Cross Tekken on that one. And they didn't catch near as much flack as Street Fighter Cross Tekken, which is really weird. Because uh, it wasn't one of those AAA studios. It wasn't Capcom. I'm sure of it. That's true, just not as many people cared in general. I guess that had a lot to do with it. Yeah, I, I did hear about it quite a bit, but I, it didn't get quite as much uh, blowback, that's for sure. It might be because they announced that that was going to be the case before they released it, though. They didn't tell anybody about that until it... or Well, actually, they datamined the disc. That's what happened. Yeah, the fact that it was on disc was the big thing there. Is that They literally could have given it to us, so we just had to buy an unlock code. It's like, you need to download it? No, don't worry about it. It's already there. Yeah, I wasn't that mad about it. The game's so awesome. Yeah, seriously, super underrated. For sure. Bring that back. Yes, that's what we need. Grief. There's one game in the series at this point. <laughs> All right, Buck, well, why don't you go ahead and get us started for once? All right, well, I'm going to get started with the first one on my list here is Punch-Out. Nice. I was actually I actually had that one as one of the ones I was going to bring up in the honorable mention. Glad I didn't. Because when did the Wii one come out? That was 2008, I want to say. Well, the Wii U one came out in 2015. There's a Wii U Punch-Out? Yeah, I don't know if it's a re-release of the Wii one or not, but there is, yeah, there is a Wii U one. Really? I feel like mm-hmm. an idiot now. I, didn't, I had no idea there's a Wii U Punch-Out. Dude, I'll still give it to you. I mean, that's just January 2015. Okay. I oh, that, that must be a remake, though, because I did not hear about that game, period. It very well could be because, yeah, there. Well, let's be honest. There's not usually a ton of fanfare when it comes to a Punch-Out game, regardless, even though there should be, because it's such a, a classic arcade sports experience. And does those games just? If you want to talk about a game that just oozes charm, Punch-Out is it. Yeah, because I know. Yeah, the last Punch-Out came out in uh, on the Wii, I thought, but I don't know. But yeah, the Wii one was actually really cool. It was just. It was a nice throwback to 
the NES one, which actually I know my favorite in the series, and I'm sure yours is too, is Super Punch-Out, which was, good lord, a phenomenal game. The best. Oh my god, definitely one of my top Super Nintendo games, for sure. And arguably my favorite sports game of all time. Yeah, if you want to call it, I guess it is technically a sports game. It's definitely more on the arcadey side, but yeah, my gosh, it's because Punch Out's not really like a a boxing game per se. I mean, it's more of a twitch reflex. I don't know what you want to call it. Almost like a, I guess, a mixture of like a boxing and a fighting game because it'll test your reflexes for sure. Yeah, and I do want to, I do want to point out, I did look it up that Wii U releases a digital only re-release of the Wii version. Okay. Yeah, that so you were sense. correct. So not. Totally crazy, just a little bit. Who cares? We need Punch Out back. We definitely need Punch Out back. That, that ain't crazy. You play the Wii one. I have played the Wii one. Yeah, it's really good. I don't like it as much as the as Super Punch Out. I I think what I don't like about it was it the fact that they they toned down the way you use the super meter. It was more like the original Punch Out, more like the Star <laughs> System. Yeah, it was basically two buttons again, like the original Punch Out. I, I really liked the 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 different ways you could use your there was just a super meter punch out meter whatever it was uh, throwing the rapid fire punches or the uh, the power blow in super punch out plus I just I don't know there I thought there was while there's a lot of character in most of the uh, the boxers that they put in the games I, I always thought super punch out had the most diverse cast. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The cast was really good, and for the Wii one, they actually rehashed a lot of the original Punch-Out cast, which made it a little less special, I thought, for those. It was like a cool throwback, but I'd rather seen a lot of new people in there. We got Donkey Kong. That was pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Did you think, from from a vet of the series, did you find that one harder than the rest of them or not? Well, the original Punch-Out, Mike Tyson, good lord, that's by far the hardest. Sure. And I don't. I think it's probably on par with Super Punch Out. I don't think Super Punch Out's hard because I know we both played the crap out of it. Yeah, yeah. It was it was hard. God, it, it was like playing Guitar Hero trying to go up the difficulties. Man, there's a there's a spike there for sure. Actually, I'd say a decent comparison. It's almost Punch Out. It's almost a little like a a rhythm but, reflex based game. I'd, I'd argue, yeah, it is. It it's it's memorization and it's you know it's like half puzzle game almost. There's there's just a there's a lot of a lot of individual learning uh, between each one of the fighters. I think that's one of the things that really separates it from any type of sports game, uh, yeah, arcade or other. It, yeah, I was just gonna say you literally go through like the fighters have their same patterns that they go through every time, and that might sound simple, but believe me, it's not. No, it's definitely not. It changes throughout the round, which is very cool. The thing is, people are still finding like new tech to to beat the boxers faster, even from the original Nintendo one. I find that just crazy. I mean, Mike Tyson has to be one of the hardest bosses ever. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think I've ever beaten him. I haven't. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I never. I never had that. I didn't have enough patience for that one. Well, the the original right. Punch Out is. I don't. I don't hold it quite as uh, dear. Well, you had to you had to put in you had to either get beat everyone or you had to do like I did and I'm sure you probably did too. Once you get to him, you have to literally put the code in, the password in every time. It's like 16 characters to fight him for one round. So it takes longer to actually to put the password in than it does for him to knock you out in one punch. Ah, modern convenience. We we had a lot of patience back then, though. 
Yeah, I still didn't have enough patience to do that though. <laughs> no, but yeah, that would be that would be sweet. I would I would love a one on the Switch. That'd be great. Oh, they, could, they could do so much with it. And even the one on the Wii still looks really good. I mean, it still is like has that cool like almost hand drawn looking aesthetic and. Yeah, and the fact they didn't mess it up and make the motion controls mandatory. Yeah, you actually held it like a Nintendo control. That's probably one reason why it was more like the other Punch-Out, though, because it was basically a two-button setting. Yeah, I guess that could be. I mean, they could have used the nunchuck. That would have been given. They could have used, like, the... Well, I guess that actually would have been less control or whatever, the fake Super Nintendo control. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it was a really solid game. Uh... Even just for having those those few of buttons, I mean the the gameplay was good. After you beat the game the first time, didn't they have like rehashes on all of the fights after yeah, that? Yeah, they were all they were all mode? different too. You had to defend your title once you won it, and then everyone played different, which was really cool. Yeah, that's something I think should come back for sure. I agree. Instead of just getting the title, you actually have to go through the circuit again, defend it, which was yeah, great. yeah. We need to get one. Nintendo, get on that. You can revive that series. That wouldn't even be an expensive game to bring back. No, that'd be do that as a budget title if they wanted. I'm not they'd asking for that. They charge us sixty bucks anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, take my money. I'll I'll, I'll buy it. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. so what, what's your uh your first one up? First one up. These are really in no particular order, but I think the first one I w- really want to bring up is Gunstar Heroes. Oh yes. Gunstar Heroes, the Sega Genesis classic run and gun shooter. It doesn't get much better than this. I mean, a lot of people, when they think that, they go straight to the Contra series. And the Contra series is amazing, don't get me wrong. But Gunstar Heroes just had this kind of like Saturday morning cartoon, fast-paced, over-the-top action that really for for that time, and even now, I've, I've yet to find a game that was quite as crazy fun as that as the original. Now, yeah, the sequel also... that came out in 2005 on the Game Boy Advance, well, <laughs> still a pretty cool game, lacked a lot in comparison it wasn't co-op was it no no that's, and i think it, i think huge yeah well i mean when you when you put it on a handheld kind of it doesn't handicap it because it still could have been but uh, i don't think they were willing to put in the resources to make that happen but if that's going to be the case why are you putting such a classic co-op experience on a on a handheld at that point Another bad thing about it being on a handheld too for the sequel is the Game Boy Advance, you have limited real estate to work with just because of the screen size and your character sprites have to be fairly big. Where on the Genesis, I mean, you have the whole TV and everything. They have to condense everything if it's on a handheld and that makes, you know, the bullets, everything, they just can't do as much. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that, that was frustrating. It was just really just like a handicapped version of the original one. They really, uh, having that co-op functionality i mean gunstar heroes has the 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 fun co-op experience of just being able to like throw your your co-op buddy across the screen at enemies and things like that so that's like a very important part of it if nobody's ever played gunstar heroes i suggest that you do uh but gunstar heroes is a nice like i said side scrolling platforming shooting game where you can like aim in all directions while you're running around you can grab enemies throw them around but you also get these powered up these weapons and you can pick up you know, one or two of them at a time, and they all have like different different firing patterns, kind of like flamethrowers or laser guns. And you can combine them into, you know, like I don't even really know how to describe the weapons that they turn into, but just much more powerful and really interesting variants on the two weapons that you decide to combine, and they give you a lot of really cool options to to run through the levels. 
Yeah, just the game overall is so much more forgiving than Contra. It's a good mixture of, there's still, you know, some tenseness there, but it's not like if you die, you're going to have to go start the entire game over. Yeah, it's not really a very hard game, and that that's okay. I mean, you do have, like, a life bar, and uh, can't you, like, revive the other player, but they take, can, like, half yep. your life? Yeah, you can steal, they can steal your life. One yeah. Of those good old, like, you know, Nintendo, Super Nintendo Genesis features, like, in beat-em-ups where if you die, the other person can hit start and just steal life. Yeah, but this time they actually have to. Oh, did did you actually get the choice, or did they have to go and revive you? I can't remember. I don't remember, but I know you stole part of their life. Yeah, so that's another cool uh, issue where you, when you take away the co-op, you lose uh, unique features like that. Plus, can we can we just talk about just like how many cool bosses there were? That was the oh best part. Yeah, they were super creative, and they'd have you know multiple phases to go through. You'd have you know, huge mechs, or you could run under them, and you'd have bosses where you fought like on the run, almost like Sonic, where your characters were like running constantly, and they were just all kinds of. They had like I know Cuphead actually sold this. They had a board game where depending on what you rolled, you fought different bosses. Yeah, that was that was originally in Gunstar Heroes. That's like the last level, second to last level, something like that. A lot of fun. Uh, I remember that one boss that you fight on the minecarts that has like seven forms. <laughs> it switches between oh my god just such a fun experience like i'm not doing it justice explaining how fun it is just listen to the excitement in my voice yeah well, that's another game where like you said the co-op just enhances it. it's still fun single player but co-op definitely enhances it yeah i mean gunstar superheroes the one that came out on the game boy advance i'd say it did a reasonable job of like re- recreating the gameplay and the art style but being only single player and then tra- obviously transitioning to the Game Boy Advance, that was just holding it back. To yeah, say it felt like, I guess like the it factor, the magic, whatever you want to call it, was just kind of gone. Yeah, but good stuff. They could they could bring that back. I could get some indie developers to bring that back, or something very similar. Yeah, I'm surprised because we just got like a fake Contra that came out called Blazing Chrome or something. That's I know that's not right. Blazing Chrome, blazing, blazing Chrome, something like that. Yeah. yeah, something along those lines. It looked pretty cool, but I never see like a, a Gunstar Heroes successor. You see all these, you know, Contra clones. I bet if we like Google it now, there's like 40 of them. We're like, damn. Probably, yeah, 70 on the Switch. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem is that store gets updated a little too frequently for me to find these <laughs> classics. For sure. I have to log in like every 12 minutes to catch <laughs> all the games they release on that bad boy. All right, Buck, so what's your next one? Well, for the next one on the list, I'm going to go with the series that's, I'm not even sure when the last one was. I want to say, I know they had one in the DS, so probably between 2005 to 2010-ish, and that's uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, I didn't play that one. They had Tactics A2 on the DS. I actually didn't play that one either, surprisingly. Yeah, the last <laughs> one I played was the the, the Advance one. I love the was, Game Boy Advance oh. one. Yeah, that one's better than the original, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, for sure. I, with the exception of forgetting what <laughs> and my character's thrown in jail for using, like, Blizzard or something. Yeah, I thought that system was kind of dumb. The judge? But, but yeah. That game overall is really, really good. I actually like the art style way better with kind of the hand-drawn sprites and everything super colorful. 
yeah, Tactics Advanced is my preferred Final Fantasy Tactics game, even though the original was really cool and I'm a big fan of it. But yeah, we need a new Tactics game. Yeah, Final Fantasy Tactics. I mean, they could easily re not re-release. I mean, they could. I'm, they seem to re-release the first one, but they haven't re-released the advanced ones, have they? No, because we got yeah, we got War of the Lions on the PSP. But I haven't gotten there hasn't been anything as far as the Game Boy Advance one or the the DS one, which I I just feel like that one's rare. I don't know if it actually is. Maybe because either one of us have it. But yeah, that's just another one of those series. Uh, that I, I mean, I consider them separate from the Final Fantasy series overall, even though they had some uh, gameplay familiarities. Uh, that's just another series that you know Square Enix has under their belt that's licensed to print money, and they're not taking advantage of it. Oh, for sure. I mean, you have the Final Fantasy name, and there's tons of people our age that are freaking in love with the original tactics, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there, there's something very special about if you like that kind of like grid-based strategy combat and... There's nothing more than you like than the Final Fantasy job system. That game is just like a love letter to just like RPG enthusiasts and definitely people who like to grind out a few levels. I was going to say, people who like to grind out levels are just kind of number crunchers overall that try and figure out the the best path to go. That's, yeah, it's very deep and can be very hard or very easy depending on uh, how much time you put into it and how much kind of research and just plan around the job system you can do because you can kind of break the game or you can go in like i did on my first playthrough of tactics and feel like the game was impossible because you didn't know what you were doing but back in the the playstation one days i never i never met a challenging rpg because i grinded <laughs> so much Good Lord. i think i actually ended up grinding in tactics so much that i never ended up finishing the game i think you did that with several games i did do that with several games but i I don't I don't even remember what point I got with tactics. Plus, I mean, overall, tech, I don't really like those grid-based tactical games too much. That's more your cup of tea than mine. But uh, that was uh, the Final Fantasy Tactics series was one that did uh, catch me at the right time when I just needed a couple more RPGs. And I think it's perfect on portables. That's money. Oh my gosh, yeah. On the Switch, it's another one that would be like you said, just pretty much perfect. I know Fire Emblem just came out, but yeah, Tactics would be a huge license to print money. Considering how much how popular Fire Emblem is now, I feel like Tactics would be even more popular. Yeah, and they're very different. There's definitely enough market space for both of them. Oh, for sure. I mean, the disguise of the world still exists, and that's a lot more similar to Tactics than Fire Emblem, so. Yeah, well, it's a nice mixture of Tactics and Gunstar Heroes, really. <laughs> how over the top and ridiculous it is that's true that's why i love it that's definitely a good series yeah that's a that's an awesome choice all right well i'm gonna stay on the rpg train here there we go we did recently get an announcement about this series but it's not a new game unfortunately and that's the grandia series we got the we got the <laughs> hd oh you did well perfect we need to talk about it then. It's doubly important. So we got the HD remaster announced for 1 and 2. Uh, this is going to be released on the Switch and PC, apparently in 2019. I believe it got delayed, though. Yeah, because it was supposed to be released like the end of last year in January. And then, man, just it's been kind of uh, stealthily getting pushed back. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. That's disappointing. I'm, I'm sure it must be... 
so I, I guess it's some issue porting it to the Switch. I don't know. But. I would assume, but since there's already, a, for sure, there's a, a Grandia 2 update on Steam that's kind of a smoothed over graphics and everything, so I think they're just basically stealing that one. Yeah, but I actually don't think it's supposed to be that great on Steam. Well, I, I, I love the PS2 one, and the PS2 port's awful, so that should tell you how good that game is. The game oh, is yeah. I, oh, yeah. The PS2 port is atrocious, and I still love that game. Yeah, the whole the whole series is actually pretty good. I know uh, towards the end people started getting lukewarm on it, but I mean, 1997, the original Grandia came out, and that was just a beautiful, uh, lovely, super long RPG experience, uh, kind of a uh, coming of age tale. With I, I love those hand drawn graphics. There's there's something about that that I really miss in today. Obviously, I get it in some of our you know, our, our indie side-scrolling games. But you don't get it in RPGs much anymore. No, and there's not many just indie RPGs in general. Well, unless they're made in RPG long. Maker. <laughs> That's true. The Grandia series is mostly known for, while they have reasonably good stories, it's, it's the battle system. That's what you come for. The best turn-based battle system, period. I still put my, my word by that, my stamp of approval. For a turn-based RPG, that is the best battle system. Yeah, I don't even think that's subjective at this point. And it, I think it's kind of hard to describe why it's so good, but it it's it's kind of a, an active time battle system where you're you kind of you tell your characters you don't tell them where to move, but you tell them what enemies to attack, and you you have to take into account not only like the space between your character and the enemies and how far they have to travel to get there to perform the action, but also uh, each one of the, the character and enemies placement in kind of like, what do I want to call it? The line of actions. I don't know. Take a number. Yeah, I mean, you know, constantly it's kind of like, Oh, like it's a final fantasy 10. And the fact that, you know, when everyone is attacking, like it's laid out for you, but it's actually more like, kind of active time battle like you said except for let's say if you know you're the enemy and i attack you and you're getting ready to attack like that could knock your attack back several seconds or it could stun you and you don't get to attack so it's like active time battle except you can stun enemies and kind of like if you got attacked in active time battle it would knock your gauge back and you wouldn't get attacked for longer that and also like faster characters you'll find the they're so fast that they'll actually start to like lap the enemies getting turns. <laughs> yes. So like when an enemy is getting is like you know they're they're powering up to attack, you'll see some characters will just pass right by them. And when that happens, when you have characters that are that fast, that'll give you the opportunity to strategically place place special moves that could delay their attacks. So that's part of the part of the strategy overall. It's just it's really addictive and makes random battles literally not a chore. Well, yeah, it makes grinding fun, which, I mean, it's, there was a time when we were obviously younger when grinding was still fun and cool, but Grandia still makes it fun to this day. Yeah, and really the only one that it ended up driving me nuts on was Grandia 3, and I don't know, I, I have a feeling that it was because that was towards the end of my heyday for, or not for Grandia, but for RPGs RPG. in general, uh, traditional RPGs, if you will, and I played through most of it but it got there was this one difficulty spike that i had to grind for like five or six hours and while that was 
just a drop in the bucket back in the day. Nowadays, that's rough. Yeah, that's that's several days worth of grinding now. <laughs> yeah, like a week's worth of gaming. Pretty yeah, pretty and that's cool not and that's not to say the Grandia Three is not a great game because it actually is. I, I like it a whole heck of a lot, but none of them really live up to kind of how awesome the the original and the second one were because the original came out on the PS One and the Sega Saturn and Grandia yeah, Two. The, the Final Fantasy Seven killer on the Saturns was supposed to be. That's what they were calling it. Yeah, not that good, but. <laughs> different different enough to really stand out and then it didn't have the same budget either but it's a ridiculously long game you're looking easily 60 70 hours and uh it's very compelling throughout and they had grandia 2 uh came out in 2000 on the dreamcast one of the very oh i'd argue it's the best rpg on the dreamcast most people will say skies of arcadia but i think that's a facade yeah, I think Granny 2 is better than Skies. Skies, to me, it was a good game, but the combat was just too slow. And that's where Granny 2 pretty much laps it there and it makes it better. Plus, it was nice to have a protagonist that wasn't just like a either a super whiny emo kid or like a, just a, a silent order taker. I mean, he's just a dude that's just kind of doesn't care and necessarily respect authority, like an anti-hero almost, which you didn't get, especially in JRPGs back then. Yeah, he just gets wrapped up in something that he wasn't prepared for, but he's got to deal with it. I mean, the series was awesome then, and they only got a couple of other games after that. They got, uh, for the Game Boy Color, they got Grandia Parallel Trippers, which I've never played. I'm sure it was it's... Japan only, so... Oh, is that why? Okay. Yeah. Well, I need it. I'm sure there's a fan translation at this point. I'm sure there's a ROM get out there. Yeah, I need to play that. Grandia Extreme for the PS2 came out a couple of years after Grandia 2. That's a heck of a dungeon crawler. Yeah. Really? There's no story at all. Not my favorite. The combat system holds up, but I actually don't think that... I don't think they put as much love into the, the characters and the skills to make that dungeon crawl quite as interesting as it might have been in the first and the second game. But I think any... Uh, you know, turn-based fighting system is going to get really old really fast when that's, like, all you do. That one's pretty hard, too, if I remember right. It was definitely more challenging than, than 1 and 2. It's been a while since I've played it. Yeah, Gradia 2 is actually a pretty easy game. The original it, was... It, it was uh, it was reasonably challenging. So, did you know that there was a, an online MMO? What? Yeah, in 2009, apparently J- Japan only, Grandia Online came out, and it lasted for three years. I had no idea. Man, that would have been awesome. I don't know how they would have done it, but... Yeah, um, I don't I don't think the combat system <laughs> would have worked. <laughs> I don't know, it might have been cool to have just like a... It'd be like a four-player RPG where you just control your one character. That I don't know. like Dragon Quest Nine multiplayer, I guess it could have worked. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. You can kind of explore yourself, and then if someone gets into a battle, you can like call your teammates. Yeah, I don't know. I think if it was probably reasonably good, maybe it would have lasted longer, but I don't think Grandia ever had the name recognition to support an MMO. Maybe in Japan, but not here. No. <laughs> I was surprised it didn't come out here, but that would have been cool to experience. I, fu- I found this statistic uh, a little disheartening. So as of 2009, this is I guess that was since the uh, the online game came out. Grandia has sold 2 million units total. That's it? Yes. 
Well, I guess you do have to look that Grandy 2 came out on Dreamcast, which we were two of the, like, seven people that owned it. The original Grandia came out, like, in 2000, which was, like, three or so years after it originally came out on the Saturn, so all the buzz was gone time it came here. I know it got, like, great reviews and everything. It's because it's a great game. It definitely is. Grandia 3, I thought, even had a decent amount of buzz when it came out on PS2. Yeah, I think people were excited that the series got revived. Maybe, again, maybe that's what they thought. Maybe they thought it was dying at that point. Because, I mean... So it had been five years before, or five years after Grandia 2 came out. So, I mean, it wasn't that heinous of an idea. Yeah, there there was something about it, I think, I think it kind of didn't quite capture the same, like, childhood fantasy that at least I thought the first game did very well. It really was a coming-of-age story uh, yeah, about a younger dude. And the first one tried, tried to do that. that. Again, and it didn't, just didn't do it as well. Yeah, I never found the characters too compelling. But uh, the graphics were nice. Saving your mom or something? I don't remember you saving your mom, but I remember you like building an airplane. So (laughs) maybe we played different games. (laughs) Different Grandia three. Classic. It definitely wasn't as good, but still a solid game. If you're if you're on the fence at all, pick up the the first one or the second one, and you'll fall in love with the combat system immediately. And that's that's really all that matters. Well, just wait and pick up the collection coming out with the first and second one. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be much cheaper than trying to get those. <laughs> Although unless you get unless you get Grandia two for Steam, that 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 might be more reasonable. But trying to get the uh, the box copies, the physical copies of either one of them is uh, going to run you a pretty penny at this point. Yeah, it's just just wait. Get on Steam or just wait for one two to come out. Yeah, and hopefully they do come out eventually. That would be nice. I'm looking forward to that way more than I was looking forward to the Secret of Mana release. Yeah, I'm not going to get that. <laughs> oh, I'm not either. Unless it gets real cheap, then I might. But otherwise, yeah. no. Yeah, that's a that's a game that's not going to come up on this conversation. <laughs> the game that's not going to come up on our top 100 list either. Whoa, man. Spoilers. You don't know. <laughs> All right, it's creeping up there on yours. Trials yeah. of Mana is going to be like number three. Uh, I think it's going to be that one for the PS1. What was that? No, the one for PS2. Oh, no, the, the P- PS1, PS1 Legends. Legends of Mana. Yeah. Terrible game. I was thinking of Saga Frontier for PS2. Oh, so terrible game. <laughs> Even way more Se- terrible. Secret of Mana. Yeah, it's much better. <laughs> Getting way off topic now. <laughs> well, so what's your I'm next gonna, one, Buck? I'm going to stick in the RPG land here and go with the game that a series that I love. And uh, there's actually three of them. Well, actually, there's more because there's one on the Saturn that never got released here. Do you know what series I'm talking about? Uh, Lunar. Yep. <laughs> uh, Lunar. Uh, Lunar. <laughs> yep, Lunar. Sweet. <laughs> Get him, Rick and Bobby. <laughs> That's right. Well, the first one has come out on pretty much every system under the sun. It is a great game, the Lunar Silver Star story. And the second one, for some reason, never comes out on came on Sega CD and then on PlayStation, which is the the one I have in the door, Eternal Blue, complete. And then they had that abomination of a game of Lunar Dragon Song come out on the DS. Did you play that piece of crap? Oh, hell no. No. I don't love that series as much as you do. I have a lot of respect for it, but it was one I never got into. It's one I didn't adopt during my RPG heyday. But that I've seen 
gameplay of it and i was just like this is this is nothing like it and what is with this terrible split screen action that they were trying to do on the ds like you lose life walking around it's just it's atrocious how do you have to put quarters in your ds the the heck is that except you can't it'd be cooler if you could (laughs) but no you just die did you actually did you actually try to give it a the old college try or yeah, everyone said it was awful. I was still excited for it. So like new lunar game, yeah. Is it actually uh, completely unique, or is it supposed to be like a remake? No, it's completely unique. It's a it's a new story. I don't even know. I didn't get very far in it because it sucked horribly. But it's a new story. Thank God they didn't shit on the previous ones. Then that's good. Yeah, they didn't. And then we got for the Saturn. There was like a magic school or something or. Some type of spinoff that has to be worlds better than Dragon Song or whatever that atrocious game was for the DS. But I think the rights to it, I want to say, are in some kind of limbo with between game arts going out of business and then working designs over here. And game arts got bought out by maybe Atlas or Sega, which is a whole other problem. Yeah, that is a big issue. So I think the series is kind of in limbo, and then their creator had some kind of piece of it of owner rights and game art said part of it. Cause I read something on it a year or so ago about basically it's just in a whole bunch of legal mumbo jumbo that even if they wanted to, to bring out another one, they'd have to pay royalties. To, I think like a dude who created it. And then also certain people that were game arts. And I think it's with probably Atlas now, who's now owned by Sega. So too much red tape right for there to be another lunar, unfortunately. I hope everybody followed that, because I know I didn't. Yeah, you need a, a map. It's, it's like Simon's Quest there. You, you need a, like a, a, you, you need a, a Legend of Zelda timeline for that one. <laughs> Good grief. It splits off, too. So if there's multiple versions, like the Legend of Zelda timeline. Perfect. Well, hopefully one of them ends in a game coming out down the road. It's preferably a new one, because I, as much as I love the first game, we don't need it. It's been out on... Sega CD, PS1, Saturn, Game Boy Advance, PSP. Did I already say that? If not, I say it again. <laughs> it's important. Reiterate <laughs> also, also came to the PSP. <laughs> it's on iOS and Android. I don't know what it's not on at this point. It's not on it's Steam. It's it's on probably on Steam. It's on the PSP. I don't think it is, but <laughs> it's not on Steam. I don't think so, but it's on PSP, so it doesn't matter. It is. It's also on iPhone and Android, so. Ugh, Ugh no thanks. Yeah. So why did you why did you fall in love with the series so much? Because I think you actually played Eternal Blue first, didn't you? I definitely played Eternal Blue first. I got got it in 2001, one of the not last, but one of the later PlayStation games I got because PS2 was already out. Eternal Blue Complete, and it's just a good solid old school RPG and the story and the character writing just had some of the most charm of any RPG. Like it's super rare when you can go to an NPC and talk to them three or four different times and they'll say different things each time. Yeah. Kind of at least like the characters and like, you know, like how old they are and things like that actually reminds me a lot of Grandia and kind of, yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. Kind of how innocent the, the, uh, the protagonists are at the beginning of the game and then what happens throughout the throughout the end of it where they're kind of forced to grow up a little bit quicker than they wanted to 
Yeah, I'm wondering, like, all these games obviously hit us in the right time because we're in middle school playing most of these. I wonder if we'd have played these, like, for the first time with the characters being, like, so young, coming of age, if we'd love them as much as we did then. Yeah, it's hard telling. I like to think that I would, but... Yeah, I'd like knowing... to think that. I don't know if the story would grip me as much, but, yeah, it was really, I don't know, just hit at the perfect time, and there's so much goodness and just fun in those games and charm and they definitely have a pretty good challenge like you do have to grind which can be an issue because they have a save system where you can literally save anywhere so you can lock yourself into permadeath basically where you can't do anything you save at the wrong time yeah you definitely ran into that oh i definitely did i had to use a a game shark at one point to to get through, I think, Silver Star Story originally, because I freaking locked myself out like 40 hours in. I did not want to go all the way back through the game at that point. Oh, I can understand that. They're not short games, that's for sure. But and I'm sure I ended up beating that game on three or four other platforms after that. But <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. all right. Yeah, the art style is really good too. That, I don't know if you mentioned that, but the the kind of like anime inspired characters and. Uh, the, the 2D sprites for all of the monsters and things like that. Really beautiful game. Yeah, if anyone is a fan of, like, 90s anime or just sprite work in general, I actually just bought a pixel art of Hero, the main character in, in Lunar 2, to, to hang up back in the game room. It's plastered to one of the bookshelves. Nice. Along with my uh, collection of the... Special edition there with all those little pop-up figures I know you've seen. So. Oh, yeah. Those are awesome. No sarcasm. <laughs> those are awesome. Those are awesome. One, one thing I need to bring up, the, the battle system is it, it's pretty standard fare, but it, it actually reminds me a lot of Grandia, too, just extremely neutered. Well, just, it has to do a lot more. Uh, placement is way more important because characters in Lunar... If you have a big slow dude, he might only move two steps and then you're not going to actually attack a person. Or if you're in Grandia, even if you're all the way across the screen, like they will run over and eventually slash the dude with the sword where Lunar, your turn, you might just run two feet and that's it. Yeah. Placement of your characters is definitely more important in that game because they're, it, it's not an active battle system. It's completely turn-based as far as I remember. And AoEs and things. I don't remember it's like that in Grandia, but AoEs and Lunar can wreck your entire team yes yes they can um well in i don't remember in grandia if you can just tell the character to like move without attacking like moving towards an enemy i don't recall that it has been a can i think they they just attack the enemy and they they will run across the screen if they have to to get to him if i remember right but the thing i'll say about grandia i don't remember having a lot of trouble with it so i guess the battle system doesn't stick out as much as I know I died a lot in Lunar because people would just run two feet and then just get murdered. Yeah, what Lunar had was like old school RPG difficulty, where if your stats weren't good enough, you were kind of screwed. There is strategy involved there, don't get me wrong. Yeah, Grandia 2, or not Grandia 2, wow, Lunar 2 and overall just the Lunar series in general. Uh, you can't go wrong with, and we really need a proper third entry, not Dragon Song in the DS. So bring it back, Game Art, Sega, Atlas, whoever owns it, give us more. 
All right, so let's move on to my next one then, since I've just been talking about Grandia the whole time. should probably even still move away from that. We're going to go to a a game series that was born and died on the, the uh, Sega Dreamcast. Man, born yeah. and Dreamcast. Okay. Yeah. You could consider a re-release on the PSP to maybe a, be a slight revival, but it, it sure as hell not. That's going to be the Power Stone series. Oh, wow. I didn't know why I couldn't even think of that. Oh, that's all right. Those games are awesome. Yeah, the second one I, I'd say is far and away superior. There might be there might be some cool things to the first game. There might be a few more mechanics and things to the combat, but I'm not really sure because I spent most of my time with the second one. It's hard to beat. Uh, Four-player, multiplayer, 3D combat as opposed to just two-player. But Power Stone 2 was just a, a whole heck of a lot of hectic fun. Um, as far as 3D fighting games go, it's at, it's at the top of my list for sure. Oh, it's a mixture of like a 3D fighting game and just kind of like a 3D brawler, I'd almost call it. Yeah, it's kind of like a third-person smash. Yeah, a little bit. There's a lot of pick-up-and-play to it. Factor, I remember we could be brought over and... Uh, like my brother and my cousin that didn't even hardly play Dreamcast could pick it up and be, you know, somewhat competitive with us. There wasn't, at least at our level, there wasn't a ton of strategy. It was just a lot of grab a steel pipe and bash somebody over the head with it. Yeah, there's not really like combos per se. There's an attack button, a jump button. I think there's like a, a grab button that I, I think you could use that on the, the other players, but you can also use it on environmental items like barrels and boxes and things like that, but also just like a huge selection of weapons and also like vehicles and things that are splattered throughout each level. It's great. Not to mention, if you collect the power stones, you literally turn into Super Saiyan if you're the one dude, but you just go insane and get your super power up and then you can just own everybody. Yeah, it's a way cooler iteration of the Smash Ball. Like, I don't even like the Smash Ball and how it works. Uh, getting the three Power Stones is super empowering and almost just more fun than using the weapons to begin with because you get, like, a completely new moveset and Every you can just character. wipe the floor with multiple uh, multiple enemies at a time. It's, uh, it's ridiculously fun. It makes every character almost like two characters. Because they have their regular form and then they're powered up, ridiculously overpowered power stone form. Yeah, and it also adds like a really cool dynamic in battle where you may have, like each person can hold a couple of power stones and there may be like six or seven power stones in play at a time. If you attack another enemy, they'll end up dropping theirs and you can end up getting them. So it's kind of, it's interesting. So if you have like one person that has two of them and uh, the other people don't have any. They can team up and take those away from you. Because if I remember right, if you get three, you turn into your, your powered-up form, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because so if anybody ever gets two, then that's enemy number one of everyone. Yeah, because uh, somebody that has three power stones, they're hard to stop. They, I would say you're borderline overpowered for... I don't know, 10, yeah, 15 seconds, maybe? <laughs> I can't remember how long it lasts, but... It feels good, and it makes that, that that power struggle to actually get and keep those power stones something else. So, I mean, while you're trying to also pay attention to, hey, your buddy, like, jumped in, like, a 
like a miniature like spaceship and is like driving it around and shooting laser beams at you and people are hucking boxes at you and some other guy comes over and smacks you in the head with a frozen tuna. <laughs> There's a, yeah, a lot of a lot of very normal cool and unique weapons down. for sure. Oh, it's it's definitely unique and fun and just one of those things. It's one of the reasons people hold the Dreamcast up so high because there were just experiences on there like Power Stone that you just can't get anywhere else. Yeah, that's for sure. And they were all kind of they're arcadey in their own right, but they certainly had enough depth to keep players coming back for more. And I mean, the Dreamcast, much like the 64, it was just made to be a mon- a multiplayer monster of a machine. If yeah, your it, game it, was it, not designed around four players, you were doing something wrong. Yeah, and back then, just having the uh, you know the four controllers, just in general, even having four controller ports, that was huge. I coveted that way more than the online functionality that the Dreamcast brought out, which obviously certainly revolutionary for its time, but the four controllers was huge. And was that the last time we ever saw? Oh, no, the Xbox, I guess. No, Had I was going right? Xbox. Yeah. Don't play yeah. enough Xbox. It was, it was four terrible controllers, but it was, it was four yeah. controls. Yeah, but uh, Power Stone, the first and the second one, they got re-released in 2006 on the PSP of all systems. Talk about where I don't want to play that game. Yes, I mean, I did buy those. but Oh, it's not... totally, it's, it's worth it for sure, especially for people who don't have them, because Power Stone 2 is expensive. Yeah, I don't own Power Stone 2, unfortunately. I, I do, and I'm holding on to it for your life. <laughs> I would argue it's worth every penny if you have friends to play it with. Yeah, I mean, there is there is some fun to be had. There is single-player content. I don't remember if it was, like, a story mode or if it was just arcade mode, but there was this actually pretty deep, like, alchemy system where you had to play play the game pretty generously, getting ingredients and things like that, and actually, uh, you know, like, building out all the different weapons in the game. There was, like, over 100 of them, and you had to create them. You had to oh, put I did know that thing because i never really i just played the multiplayer with you yeah I, I played that game a lot on my own and i didn't get anywhere near unlocking all of those uh, because it does it does take quite a bit of effort and uh and definitely a lot of experimentation too but i think that's uh that's a cool level of depth that was there but i think and while there's not like a recognizable characters in the power stone series they're all pretty Pretty fun and unique, quirky, and uh, well-designed, as, as well as the uh, combat system itself. So, a, a classic. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the, you know, again, one of the standout Dreamcast games, one of the best. Yeah, and one of the ones that isn't getting ported around like mad. Which is a shame, because that's one that needs to be ported around like mad. Well, I don't think it needs to be like a full price release. I think if they released a Power Stone for thirty or forty dollars, a Power Stone three, if you will, I think it would do pretty well, especially on the Switch. Oh yeah, anything on the Switch anymore, I'm convinced can you know sell pretty decent. Yeah, as long as there's just a little bit of advertising behind it, that way people know that it exists. I think it needs to be said. I have a lot of refound faith in Capcom, Power Stone. Bring it back, Capcom. You can do this. I know you can. I forgot that was a Capcom franchise. I told They have so many good franchises. franchises. You can't keep track of all of them. No, I can't. Not at all. I mean, they honestly, they had all the best fighting games on the Dreamcast. They they had a monopoly there. They had that that cannon spike, too. That was them. 
Oh yeah. Well, yeah, because Mega Man was a character in it. Right. So it was Cammy. Oh, I didn't care because Mega Man was a character in it. So nobody can afford that game, and nobody we knew owned it. <laughs> I know. I've still never played it. Yeah, it's a shame. Is, is Charlie a main character or Guile? It's one of them. It's not Guile. I know that. Probably Charlie. Charlie's a, That's a good one. That's better than Guile anyway. Oh, pfft. Whatever. <laughs> so we got, uh, do you have, you should have two more left, right? I do have two more yeah. left. We got. Well, uh, one, two, actually two of my favorite series of all time. So, well, first one of those. I would even call it a borderline being a dead series because there was there's a game released five years ago and it came out on the Wii U, which I mean is in itself was just dead on arrival. And it did just get ported to the Switch last year. I'm sure you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh yeah, I do. Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. Yes, exactly. Have you played Tropical Freeze at all? I have, yeah. I played it. Uh, I played it multiplayer on the Switch. Wow, what a good friggin' platformer! Mm-hmm, that is very good. That game is. It doesn't have the same nostalgia to me that the uh, the rare games have. Or I actually, I love the graphical style, the rare ones still. But man, the level design, Tropical Freeze, is hard to beat. I mean, that's top notch. Well, while I am not the as nearly as big of a fan of the country series as you are, and probably not nearly as much of a fan as most people who are fans, there is there is something to be said for the level of quality across that whole series that I would say is pretty much almost unrivaled when it comes to just platforms or franchises in general. Oh, yeah. The old five games you could hold up to about any platform. I mean, the weakest one to me by far is Donkey Kong Country Returns. I think one of the reasons they had to have the the gimmicky Wii, like you had to blow into the thing to do the blowing motion, and they just had some gimmicky controls, like you had to shake the Wii remote to do the roll. But other than that, it was just, God, that whole series is ridiculous. And then the music, too of those games is some of the best music in gaming. Like, I still use, if I go run, workout, whatever, I'll listen to some aquatic ambiance, which should not get me pumped up at all. It's super soothing, but it's amazing, and it does. Oh, yeah, no, it's really good. Especially, I mean, just for how fast-paced the gameplay is. I mean, it just, it makes sense, and they did a great job with it. I will also say, that is one franchise that made a very elegant leap to the Game Boy, where it, it still captured the, the the fun elements of the gameplay with obviously very neutered graphics. But it holds up pretty good. Yeah, it certainly does. The The Game Boy ones, the graphics still look really good for Game Boy games. I will say with the first one, the other two were better. The controls in the first Donkey Kong Land kind of sucked. They were a little, a little unresponsive, not quite Dragon Ball GT bad, but a little <laughs> unresponsive. Well, what is? That's true. Yeah, I was going to say, I only played the second one on the Game Boy, and that was one of my favorite original Game Boy games. Yeah, it's it's a good game. And, I mean, the second Donkey Kong Country in general, I mean, is touted up there as one of the greats of all time, which it's, it's hard to argue with that statement. Yeah, they're all very good. And, I mean, I don't know why Nintendo just doesn't want to keep knocking those out. I mean, I know Retro now, which is basically uh, Retro are the creators of the last two, and I, I guess they're going to be working on Metroid for the foreseeable future, I would imagine. So 
Unfortunately, I don't see a new Donkey Kong Country happening anytime soon. Yeah, as, as big of a fan of Metroid as I am, I'd, I'd rather them concentrate on the Donkey Kong oh. Country series than Me Metroid too. Prime. But I mean, that's a that's a hot take, as I've heard. Yeah, I don't think I think we're in the minority there. And I mean, yeah. I'm obviously not huge on Metroid and I'm completely in love with the Donkey Kong Country series, so it's super one-sided for me. Yeah. But that whole game series, everything, and plus, oh, let's go back to Tropical Freeze multiplayer. That game is hard. I don't yeah, know there's some really complex level design, and there's a lot of hazards that you have to deal with. There's a lot. I mean, they put in funky mode to be just an easy mode because. I be it took me and Cube a long time to beat Tropical Freeze multiplayer, like way more lives than it should have. Yeah, did you consider it harder playing multiplayer? Oh, it's way harder playing multiplayer. Because you're jumping off each other, you're killing each other in accident. Minecart levels when you're both trying to jump at different times and you know, yelling at each other because someone sends you your death, definitely harder. Nice. You should have played it with me, because I'm the platforming savant. I would have made it twice as hard. Probably. I don't think you've put to a platform player either, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of deaths, we'll just say that. That's fair. I'm sure it was an entertaining time, regardless. Oh, it's it's a good time and I'm glad they include those options because that's a, a cool thing just to be able to play multiplayer especially. I'd almost rather it be like the originals though, where you just kinda took turns and one died, someone else took over. It was Less chaos and less deaths, but it's kind of cool also, like you said, just to have that pure chaos and random deaths happening all the time. Well, I think it's awesome for you in the fact that this uh, this franchise probably has the highest probability of coming back of all the oh, ones we're talking about. I don't think it's necessarily a dead franchise. It's just the development team is obviously on different projects, so... I mean, it's it's dead for the time being. It's, it's on extended hiatus that is uncalled for. Yes. Yeah, no, I, Nintendo doesn't like to let their their best IPs die, so I, I'm sure it will come back. But uh, I mean, the fact that it came back in general since it was basically Rare's child, especially the Donkey Kong, you know, wearing the tie and everything. Yeah. The fact that we got that back anyway, even though it took 10 years, it was just kind of the redhead stepchild for a decade. But yeah, they, if they got him back out of that, he'll come back from this. Yeah, time will tell, uh, hopefully sooner than later. It'd be nice. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, another awesome franchise, uh, one that one that has a, definitely a lot of different uh, styles of gameplay that have, has changed over the years, uh, an arcade classic uh, that most people will remember regardless of what iteration it was, and that's the Gauntlet franchise. Oh, yeah. I didn't think of that at all, actually. Well, my description sucked. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but uh, most importantly, uh, the ones that I hold most dear are the, the 3D uh, Gauntlet games, the Gauntlet Dark Legacies, uh, the Gauntlet that came out in the arcade, Those were and Gauntlet 64. Those were my favorite in the series. Uh, Gauntlet 1 and 2 on the Nintendo, they're fine games. Yeah, they're not bad. I mean, for the time especially, they're, they certainly get the job done. Yeah, they're they're entertaining enough to be sure. They're super hard. I mean, if you're if you want Nintendo hard, that's a that's a good one to go for. Uh, there there's also a, a third one that came out for the Atari Lynx that I didn't even know about. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, 
Awesome. And then we also got, I think the, well, not the latest one, but uh, the latest one actually came out on the, was it the PS3 and Xbox 360? It was just called Gauntlet. I think it came out in like 2014, I want to say. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's been a little less than five years uh, since that one. Nowhere, re- too. Yeah, since that one released. And that game's fine. It's just fine. It doesn't, it wasn't what I was, I was hoping for. But there is something very special about the, the uh, 3D ones that came out around the 64 and Dreamcast and PS1 era. Those are those are some of the best multiplayer experiences. So, simple RPG, you know, level progression, uh, just pick up and play. There's some something really special there that when 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 I go back and analyze them, it's hard for me to like pinpoint. You know, why is this that good? I think it just it just feels really comfortable and um, it's just a joy to pick up. And I think, too, one thing for people like us, especially when we were younger, we didn't really have a lot of access to PC gaming and kind of the RPGs like that. And this was, you know, kind of like a Diablo light in a way. Kind of very, very light. Yes. <laughs> a forerunner to it almost. But it gives you kind of a taste for that that genre. And I know especially you are a huge fan of the uh, RPG looter, you know, Path of Exile, Diablo genre. I don't know what you want to call it. I call them action RPGs. I like my description better, honestly. Oh, I, yes. <laughs> your, your RPG looter. Um, yeah, that that works. Actually, I would say Gauntlet 64 is probably the best RPG on the 64. <laughs> I, <laughs> I never can I never consider it, uh, but I should. Oh wow, that is sad. It's true. Yeah, definitely. It is kind of because I mean the, the RPG. Uh, mechanics are very bare bones. You level up fighting enemies, your stats go up, you get That's money, <laughs> you can buy buy additional stats, and then you can uh, a holdover from the arcade experience. You get expendable like weapons and items throughout the stages that you can use to get through more difficult uh, parts of the levels. And uh, yeah, the, there's just something very hmm. <laughs> it's it, it is hard to pinpoint if you haven't played it. It's, it's kind of it's a good RPG too for for people that don't play RPGs that they can just dive into it. I mean, you can something easy to play even with a significant other to kind of get their feet wet for something like a, a Diablo or something like that. Yeah, that's one that I've definitely played with a a lot of significant others, and they enjoyed that even though they don't normally enjoy uh, games in general. That was one that was. It, it, you, you could argue it's, it's a very casual, friendly RPG. It's also baby's a, first RPG, if you will. <laughs> Definitely. Not Mystic Quest, though. It's not that bad. No, it's also kind of one of those games where you can turn on and I don't want to say like zone out, but like like me and you used to turn on Beat Hazard and just kind of have basically catch up and have conversation, almost like a podcast while we were playing a game. It's oh yeah. Game. It's a game you can kind of do that with, which there's something to be said for that that uh un, like there's not a genre for that, but that's definitely a thing. Netflix and chill with a game sort of, if you will. Yeah. yeah, I mean I I've played this game you know like I don't know like 6 or 7 years ago and I had a buddy we'd go over to his uh mom's basement and we'd just kick back beers while we were playing this game. 
That's a lot of fun. Yeah, you don't <laughs> you don't have to be that aware. I <laughs> no. promise you that. You, you can get through. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, just a really enjoyable experience. No real no real depth, but I will say some of the, the some of the 3D ones like they're actually pretty long games. They're pretty meaty. The the Gauntlet 64 probably what 15 20 hours at least, yeah. Yeah. And and Gauntlet Dark Legacy, the one that came out on the uh PS2 and GameCube, did it come out on the Xbox? I don't remember. It might have. I believe so. That game was almost twice as long. They took all the levels from Gauntlet 64 and uh, I think it may have rehashed them a little bit, but just combined all of it into just this amazing greatest hits. And it had like eight playable characters and eight more uh, secret unlockable, actually nine more uh, secret characters that you can unlock and you level them up independently. Uh, so that's a way for you to like continue your, uh, your save file. When friends come around, you can pick a new class. And one of the things that I thought was really cool that I almost forgot about when you level up in that game, your your character changes. So like every like ten levels, you get like new shoulder pads or a, a a bigger weapon with you know like more silver on it or something something ridiculously unimportant. But yeah, you got, that, you got that visual progression too, and that was always cool. That's huge. That's that goes further than people think. Tech obviously with all the cosmetics and stuff that gets sold these days for actual money. That's really cool. It's a cool feature. I remember just like getting stoked that I was like, I was level nine. I was like, level 10, what are we going to get? And you also had those little like familiars that would fly around too. And they evolved <laughs> as, as you leveled up too. You get this like huge ass dragonfly and they'd shoot fireballs and things like that. Man, I need to go back and play that one. Yeah. I remember rocking the Egyptian wizard yellow dude. He was cool. Yes. So many cool characters in that game. And that's one also would be great on the switch, but I think the switch is just like perfect for all games. I mean, pretty much they said Ultimate Alliance 3 released there, which is, you know, a similar genre again, I would argue. I would totally finally use the kickstand on my Switch and go hang out on a park bench, <laughs> play me some gauntlet. <laughs> that would be fun. I'm just saying. Buck, you're invited if that ever happens. Nice. Well, yeah. Have to get down there. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, Buck, awesome. I think you got one more left. And I have a feeling I know what it is. Gee, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, you obviously know what it is. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not going to ruin it. We were talking about earlier series that can print money. I mean, this could, this could make, they could make it rain with sales from this. And they aren't ready to release this yet. I don't <laughs> trust them. That's a good point, because yeah, I don't trust Square Enix in general anymore. Although the Seven remake looks solid, but beyond the point. I need more proof. So the original came out in 95 here, and it was the one even way back in the day. I remember getting game magazines back then. So I remember the game came out. It was $100 here, which is insane. Like the game, literally, I remember seeing it at Best Buy for $100. And I was like, well, I'm not going to buy that. It looks freaking cool, but no, not going to happen. And then I obviously should have bought that because it's gotten a lot more expensive than that over the years. And that game is obviously Chrono Trigger in the Chrono franchise I'm talking about. But I got to experience for the first time. I remember being so hyped in the spring of 2001 Then Final Fantasy Chronicles came out with Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy IV. And, God, I don't know how many hours I put into that. I got all the endings, all 12, and then I believe it's 13 with the DS remake that had an extra one that, that ties in across nicely. 
but holy crap, there's so much love for that game. Literally everyone that plays Chrono Trigger, I don't think anyone, you know, says the game sucks or it's overhyped or anything like that, like you hear with a lot of the, the classics. And I have no idea why they're not just cranking out another Chrono game and printing money. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Maybe they have the yeah. uh, the the super team they hyped back in the day with the uh, Kiritoriyama and uh, the dude from Enix and the dude from Square. I'm so prepared here. <laughs> yeah, those guys. What a cool cast. <laughs> Just everything is pretty much perfect in that game when it comes down to the art direction. Looks amazing. The soundtrack is, again, just like with Donkey Kong Country series, one of the best soundtracks in gaming. One of the few that I've actually bought on CD. It's just, God, the story's great. The replayability, it's just everything. And, yeah, go go ahead. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> in there before I get yeah, let me, let me throw in some of my favorite things about it that haven't been <laughs> mentioned. Uh, obviously, the very diverse locales. Obviously, from different uh, eras in time, that was always cool to see where the time machine was going to take you, see what new characters you were going to meet, what new lands you were going to explore. Uh, battle system, obviously, very cool, very actually very reminiscent, uh, uh, early early Grandia and Lunar, if you will. Yeah, absolutely, and they did something really cool that I don't know, I have no idea why more RPGs don't do, and let your characters team up and do, you know, team attacks. Which I've always thought was really cool. That has never sucked. Ever. Yeah, I don't know why they just can't... No one can figure that out in an RPG to take advantage of that. Well, it's because they just don't do it. They don't have to take advantage of it. They just have to do it. Yeah. Like, it's, I, I can't imagine that they, it... It shouldn't take that much effort. There's <laughs> gonna no put... way it takes so much effort. <laughs> Uh, maybe it just takes too much budget. I don't know, but yeah, those are those are really fun. It, it it's always just kind of the, the experimentation and just discovering new ones. That's the really cool part. Oh yeah, and even I, did you ever unlock any of the triple techs? I mean, there were. Oh yeah. Those, those were oh, yeah. really freaking cool. They get everyone involved. Yeah, I think I think that's about the only game that does those that I've I, ever played. I think Chrono Cross has a couple. I remember right. I know at least has yeah it has it does have at least one or two. I know it has several of the dual techs, but I think it's got a few triples. Well, in that game, it's got to be four times as hard to figure those out. Well, yeah, since there's seventy billion characters. Yeah, but those are probably saved for the main characters, I would assume. Yeah, Kid Surge and Links, I think, have one, and I don't know. I think Glenn. <laughs> of course. Somebody. Yeah, Glenn. The Glenn the Knight dude, yeah, okay, I remember. Yeah, that. that you could you could only get if you like took the path that no one would take. Oh, so like he was the one character in Suikoden that I could never bring over. I get it. Yes, he makes the sense. Bring back Chrono Trigger and bring back Team Attacks. That's basically all we're saying here. Yeah, pretty much it. Chrono Cross was a good game, but it wasn't. Definitely not trigger good. Yeah, just a couple more things with Chrono Cross. It's kind of a shame that I think that if they would have named it something that didn't have Chrono in the title, that a lot more people would like it to get more love than it does. It only has a couple subtle tie-ins to Trigger, and I think anything that wasn't Chrono Trigger 2 with basically the same cast and more people would have been disappointed with. Well, yeah, and I, I think that 
points to, I mean, you obviously had issues getting into it. It took you many years to appreciate it fully. That's, that's a good point. It took me several years, and the, yeah, right after it came out, I know I was I was super disappointed with it. Yeah, because I think I liked it a lot more than you did uh, when we both originally played it. Because I, de- I definitely like it a lot. Yeah, we both got it in the 2000-2001 time period, and I didn't get into it until college in 2007. I finally, going through some backlogs, sat down and played it, and was like, it finally clicked. Because, I mean, without, there's a few subtle things that happen late game that connects Chrono Trigger. Otherwise, like, you wouldn't even know it was anything in the same universe. No, it doesn't, it doesn't feel similar at all. But it has a, a really good soundtrack again, which is apparently my favorite thing about games, because all these games lately have good soundtracks. It actually has really cool graphics, too, that still hold up. Oh, yeah, that's one of the prettiest PS1 games. And I still love those pre-rendered backgrounds that companies don't use anymore. Yeah, they need to bring those back. Something fierce. I, I, I think it's hard to argue that Final Fantasy IX is probably the best-looking Final Fantasy game on the PS1, even though it's my least favorite. I think Chrono Cross is even better looking than that. Yeah. I, it's definitely more I, diverse. The color palette is, is a lot better and definitely jumps out the page a lot more. Cause there's a lot of tropical scenery, especially like the hometown stuff. So they use a lot brighter and like you said, more diverse colors. Although nine does look really well. And I wish they'd give kind of nine or Chrono Cross the treatment they did. nine, just kind of polish everything up and re-release it. Cause nine looks pretty solid on, current hardware from the photos i've seen i'm not buying it again but yeah no it does actually look pretty good maybe they're going to do this grandia hd remaster situation (laughs) they're going to test the market see how interested people are i'm up for it that'd be nice yeah well anything except for obviously that ridiculous cell phone port or steam steam port whatever Uh, that was steam port was the cell phone port is the problem i think they literally ripped the cell phone version and threw it on steam and people were excited. <laughs> yeah, people were excited for two seconds till they played it. Yeah, Chrono Trigger was uh, just really, it was just like lightning in a bottle. It was it was one of the most perfect RPGs from like almost every standpoint. Uh, the fact that it's actually not nearly as long as your, your standard Super Nintendo or even modern day uh, role-playing game, I think bodes well for it because it goes the story and the the combat and all of the progress in between goes at a really nice clip where you don't really get tired of any one thing oh that that definitely helps it i remember the time i was kind of maybe even disappointed a little bit that it was over so quick but then you look back and there's so much more to do and yeah especially now i mean that'd be great to have a 25 hour solid jrpg versus 40 to 60 hours and then what other game can you start a new game? I think it was the first game to actually do New Game Plus, for one thing. Uh, I, I can't verify that. It's the first <laughs> role-playing game that I remember ever doing it. Yeah. That's for sure. And a, a great feature, and obviously... Actually, it's one of the very first, uh, especially like console RPGs specifically. I'm sure a lot of like PC games had multiple endings at that point, but that was really unique. Back yeah, then you too. could actually beat the final boss right at the beginning of the game, go through the the teleporter and just go straight to the final boss. You have to beat him by yourself as just Chrono. So one of the endings, that one was one of the more difficult ones that required some grinding. 
yeah, and there wasn't just like two or three of them and they weren't based off of like one or two like small decisions you made like towards the end of the game. Like it turns out that a lot of games did. There did you say there was twelve or thirteen? They're there all were, actually they're all twelve cool. originally and thirteen if you count there's an extra one D S that connected trigger and cross that was cool. Okay. The multiple endings was unique in itself, but they also did some of the very best design of actually trying to earn them where it was actually interesting to try and do it. I thought. Yeah, it wasn't like you said you go through another 40 hours and you pick path A or path B. It was actually different and unique stuff. And yet that it's, that's the first time I can remember something literally being called New Game Plus. But yeah, it could have easily been out before that. But man, what a what a game. Yes, indeed. And I mean, there's a reason it's so uh, fondly remembered. I mean, fuck, you're not you're not the only one clamoring for a sequel. Yeah, and I, I remember too. I actually still have the game FAQ. Still has my review up that we wrote senior year of high school. <laughs> wrote a game FAQ's review for a paper in a college lit class. It's the top rated one, I'm sure. <laughs> it should be. Yeah, it should be. Like a, a 10 out of 10 from 18 year old Buck was like, "This is 10 out of 10 game," and you know, still thinks that to this day. So. <laughs> way, to, way to pimp out an old memory. It was a good time when you can get an A on a paper and a review posted. And I just need the series to come back. It's probably my favorite uh, RPG series of all time. And anyone who's played it and played Crown Trigger overall, they typically don't have a bad word to say about it. So let's bring Trigger Cross. Let's bring the series back. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And for for anyone who's just like, oh, I don't like Chrono Cross, you probably need to try and just replay it at this point. Try and remove your, you know, your rose tinted goggles for Chrono Trigger and just try and enjoy it for what it is. And you'll probably appreciate uh, the few connections that are there, much like you did. Yes, it, it does take a while to get going, too, because it took me it took me several tries and years to get into it once I finally did i definitely got hooked so give it a fair shot give it several hours and i think you'll end up liking it yeah or be like me and play chrono cross first love it and then play chrono trigger and love it and just appreciate both of them that's a good way to go about it too that works too all right buck well i got one more and this one feels a little bit like cheating but i think that you will respect this choice a little bit because this is this is almost like a worse fate than the series being ignored over the last five years. Oh gosh, are we going mobile? Uh, maybe, yeah. I'm gonna got to go with the Wild Arms series, near uh, and dear to my heart. Yeah. Absolutely. And before the the t- September 2018 announcement or release of Wild Arms Million Memories for mobile phones. Yeah, that is a that is a face a fate worse than death at this point. You agree with that? I don't think well there's probably no shot that we'll ever actually get it in our shores either, is there? I don't think so. I don't think it'll I don't think it'll even come back like five years later, like Fantasy Star online two. Or not online two. Yeah. Well, yeah, online two. <laughs> online two. What am I thinking? It it's been so long, I'm like, has it been online three, online four? Yeah. Well, we're getting two, so yeah, but the Wild Arms series, we haven't gotten a, re, a release since 2007, which was the last game on the PSP. 
And Wild Arms is uh, pretty special for me. It was one of the very first games I ever played when I got my JRPG machine, the PS1, uh, year 2000, I guess it was. Uh, that's when I really started getting into RPGs overall, playing like Final Fantasy VII, VIII, this, and I got Jade Cocoon for like the same Christmas, and that was awesome. And that's Wild a Arms, Christmas. yeah, yeah, it was. And Wild Arms was the first game I booted up, which out of that list, I don't think anybody's surprised that I didn't throw in Jade Cocoon right away, even though I'm a huge Pokemon fan. But uh, I was gonna say even with Wild Arms, that opening cinematic is is really cool. Oh yeah, uh, great, um, you know, animated intro with really cool music. And I mean, that's one thing that I've always really appreciated about the Wild Arms series. I've always loved the soundtrack. It's kind of, uh, it's mixture of, you know, upbeat melodies, a little bit of Western flair. Uh, Wild Arms is, is tend to be, when, when people talk about it, they tend to probably over-exaggerate the amount of like, wh- like Wild West influence that goes into the series. It's been lost over the years pretty well. But the, uh, <laughs> the first game kind of tried to lean on that for originality. And I really appreciated that, the, the nice mixture between uh, Wild West and science fiction magic, which is a giant meld of your typical RPG tropes with a, a, little, a little Western feel to it. Wild Arms is, I don't want to say it's like just like your generic RPG, but it's pretty, it's pretty by the numbers overall, which is typically something I appreciate, uh, but something that I didn't... I wasn't looking for when I first played it, um, when I got my PS1. Um, I hadn't had a whole lot of experience outside of, you know, a few RPGs on the Super Nintendo, so I didn't have, like, a lot of... Um, terminology is killing me here. <laughs> you didn't have a lot of just, like, uh, JR Reference points. Basically. I didn't have a lot of reference points at that point. Yeah, I know what you mean there. In Wild Arms is probably the most uh, Eastern Western RPG that I've ever <laughs> I know that made no sense. Say that again. Yeah, the most Eastern Western RPG because it's totally uh, Eastern. It's a complete JRPG. I mean, from head to toe, which is what Eastern comes in, and the Western is just the uh, the theme overall. And like you said, but I think the the fourth or fifth one, we're in the extreme, like, cyberpunk. No one even looks Western anymore. I don't think past the third one. Oh, yeah, not really. I mean, the third one really doubled down on that. That's kind of when they went back to it. You had combat on horseback, which was still pretty original. Yeah, that's not really what's important about it. Like, the things that really drew me in and most fans is obviously the music, but also just the the likable characters, the, the different... Um, characters that you you run across and not not just that you interact with in the story but also like the characters that you play as you have in your party they all have like unique roles very interesting skills yeah i mean i think that's what set apart for me the most was the the puzzle elements and the abilities yeah and yeah that's that's outside of even the combat uh like you said the ability I, th- I assume you're talking about the tools that you use in kind of like the overworld and in the dungeons that you use to explore, solve puzzles, and get other items. Yeah, absolutely. That was the... Because I remember the third one is probably the one... I played the second and third one a ton. I don't have a ton of experience with the series outside of that, but I uh, love both those games. I remember the third one. I think one dude had like a snowman. It was one of his abilities. 
And yes, he did. Ice from a little snowman. Yeah, I remember that. That definitely stuck out. The third one, I was just a complete moron, and I like gridlocked myself because I didn't plant any herbs and <laughs> no healing items. And I remember I put like the healing, uh, basically healing materia or summon whatever you want to call it, on like the guy that does the most most damage DPS. So my healer was, I basically screwed up the whole thing and <laughs> kind of gridlocked myself. And got stuck, but the third one's an awesome game. That's a sweet cell shaded look, and that that Western music still gets stuck in my head to this day. Yeah, no, the third one's great. I I hold uh, one and two to really high regard, and definitely the fifth one too. Those are probably my three favorite in the series. I think two is two is probably my favorite overall. Two and three for sure. Two's the only one I actually beat, I believe. I, I know you've beat all of them, and there's some wicked extra dungeons too, if I remember right, at least in a couple of them. Yeah, there's some definitely some wicked dungeons, but Wild Arms series is most known for a lot of post-game content, a la, you know, super bosses. Uh, usually a, a large handful of them, usually 10 to 12, that uh, you defeat to unlock your character's strongest weapons, which at that point you don't really need. Uh, but they do have some stronger enemies, even than those, to uh, challenge anybody who just wants to take the game a little bit further. Uh, none of the games are particularly challenging overall. But if you're like if me, if you don't plant herbs, they are. Say what? If you don't plant herbs, they are. If you don't plant herbs, they are. That's right. Well, that game's Wild Arms Three is weird because that was like an that's like optional content, and you can't buy healing items. So if like you, you put your your healing spell on literally the worst character, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have a bad time. And you did at that point, <laughs> and, and you still won't go back and play it. Maybe there is a PS4 re-release, so we'll see, but yeah. That's right. Right now, no. But, uh, you know, I've, I've replayed all of the games uh, several times, minus the fourth game. I'm not really that big of a fan of it. Uh, I, I think it changed up too much of the uh, the charming aspects of the games, like the tools. They aren't carried along with your characters. Like, each one of your characters doesn't get, like, you know, your bombs, your grappling hook, your your little magic spells, your fire wand, things like that. Uh, there's items that you, there's like disposable items that you find in the the dungeons. I feel like it holds back kind of that little bit of character progression. I don't want to say like that Metroidvania-esque feel to it, but it does give you that kind of, and actually more of a Zelda. I would, yeah, I agree, especially with the uh, the puzzle solving and everything. That's always the kind of vibe it gave me. Yeah, it gives you different ways to kind of interact with your environments um, and, and ways you can actually sometimes go back to different dungeons and get uh, secret items uh, if you if you recall to go back and look in certain doors or things along the way. But Yeah, it reminds me a lot of, uh, I know another one of your favorites, Lufia 2, kind of set up a lot like that as far as um, having used characters' abilities and having a lot of puzzle-solving elements. Yeah, up and up until like Wild Arms and the Final Fantasy games on the PS1, that was like the crowning jewel of RPGs as far as I was concerned. And and Wild Arms is a, a pretty simple uh, evolution and stepping stone from that. So yeah, that was easy for me to grasp onto and enjoy. But I mean, I spent just countless hours in these games, and I 100%ed all of them. For me, this was like a, a completionist's dream, um, and it didn't even necessarily take that long in all the titles. Several of them are probably like, I don't know, 50, 60 hour games if you want to do everything. Um, so that's pretty reasonable when it comes to an RPG, especially yes, from a completionist. JRPG. Yeah. 
and typically when I replay them, I, I tend to go ahead and do that. Uh, time is not of the essence anymore, so that doesn't typically happen. <laughs> but I mean, just to reiterate, I'm mean, just the music, the characters, the stories are actually pretty interesting too. Nothing, nothing super deep. But, you know, like we've been saying about a lot of these games, they're just it's just like hella charming. Some sometimes they'll tug at your heartstrings. Sometimes you'll be like, oh, this is super goofy. But I mean, that's just that's just part of RPGs. And that's part of why a lot of people really like them. And that's why we do, too. Yeah, it's really part of the like a lot of the games we talked about today. Just kind of wrap it up. We're part of the what I would call the golden era of JRPGs, the uh, SNES, PS1 era, maybe PS2 in there, too. But really, those those generations there, the. uh third, fourth, and fifth generation consoles, or 1632 in a PS2, GameCube, Xbox era. Uh, those generations were kind of the heyday of, of JRPGs in general, and there's just a lot of, if you, especially if you grew up in that era, a lot of the charm with all those games, and especially the way games are kind of cranked out today, everything is open world and bland, drab, and kind of going for the same thing, the AAA... I don't know what kind of genre you want to call it, but I wish there was more uh, kind of old school JRPGs, a little bit smaller teams made with had some some more heart and charm to it, not just trying to crank out the AAA titles and trying to make the next Call of Duty or Destiny or whatever huge series you want to throw out there. Yeah, that would be a better day, to be sure. I think RPGs, uh, especially recently, I feel like there hasn't been a ton of originality. I feel like they're trying to go... Uh, trying to be a little too safe uh, with your your typical fantasy esque story um, and you know like character skills and things like that. Well, there's I, no big budget company I feel like that's willing to take a chance and let someone create something unique. They would take a lot of money, and the only people like creating kind of old school throwbacks are like smaller indie developers, and that's going to be hit and miss if it you know releases at the right time in the eShop or gets lost in the sea of shovelware. Yeah, I think Atlas was really the the last one to do anything crazy original with RPGs that had come out in the last five, ten years, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, they've done it smart with Make Persona, basically a a dating high school simulator, and then a really good RPG on top of that. And then everyone loves it. I'm surprised that there's not at least more companies trying to, to copy that formula. Yeah, maybe it's trickier than we think it is. Or maybe they're too worried that you know, they're going to put all that development time into it, and this RPG doesn't quite catch on as much as, well, it's hard, it's going to be hard for an RPG, at least, especially in this day and age, to catch on like Persona has. Yeah. But I mean, it is, it is a little, definitely more of a niche market, and you're not going to, it's going to be harder to, you know, feed families making RPGs like this. Yeah, I feel like Falcom is one of the, the smaller developers that is kind of doing it right. A lot of their, like, Trails in the Sky is really good, and uh, Trails of Cold Steel. And they have the East series, which has gotten popular with East 8. Yeah, they were like living off the PSP and the PS Vita. Like, no other company really made that work too well. Yeah, and they've, now they're getting like PS4 releases, so starting to work out for them. And East 8 got a ton of, you know, good feedback. And obviously, Monolith Soft with the Xenoblade series. Other than that, that's about it. Huh, maybe we'll see a resurgence down the road? Uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll see some on the Switch, but portable gaming kind of going by the wayside outside of the Switch, definitely going to see a lot less of them. Because it's I would imagine. more and more expensive to create them. Yep, that's very true. But that's okay. I mean, I think a bunch of companies should just come together and re- you know, release Wild Arms 6 and I'll be happy. Take it off mobile. 
don't give it to Konami. It's all I care about. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, we talked about a lot of uh, cool franchises uh, over the course of the podcast. Uh, definitely getting me really nostalgic. Oh, for sure. And that's, yeah, I'm going to have to go replay some of these again. Yeah, that would be good. I wish I, I wish I had that kind of time between, you know, between uh, podcasts like this and, and us count, counting down our uh, top 100 favorite games. I would, I would love to go and replay all those games in like one week if I could. But man, just not That'd enough time. Week. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be a week of like, I don't know, there's a thousand hours in my week. That would be good. <laughs> if only. So, uh, you know, wrapping up, let us know uh, some different franchises that you guys thoroughly enjoy. Uh, maybe franchises that you forgot about, but, you know, our conversation kind of sparked your interest in them again that you think are, are forgotten gems. And uh, we need to see releases, you know, hopefully not on mobile, but definitely on the consoles and even Steam. <laughs> and uh, PC at this point. I, I don't really care how we can play them as long as we can, as long as it's not touch controls. I'm good. Yeah, exactly. As long as it's an actual screen, we can use a controller, even a, even a keyboard and mouse, but preferably a controller. Yes, definitely preferred. Hey, Buck, where can they find us? You can find us on Twitter at BuckChuckGaming. And let us know, like Chuck said, any feedback you have on the podcast would be great. And, of course, drop us any comments. Let us know, like you said, what series you want to see come back. And uh, just just hit us up with any questions or just say hey. That's right. Depending upon how you want to uh, enjoy the podcast, check us out on SoundCloud and on uh, Apple iOS. And as always, I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And you've been listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. Thanks, guys. guys. I think we'll see you next time for the rest of the Top 100 Countdown for, is it 94 to 90? Well, you said the rest of it. Are we doing all of them? I guess it's 95 to 91. That's going to be a mighty long podcast. Yeah. I'm a, I'll see you guys later. I'm going to be dead after that. Good for <laughs> Sounds a good like one. a good time, though, guys. <laughs>